Thank you very much. Great. Thank you. Thank you. So as Paul said, we're in a series called One Another Ring. And last week, Becky spoke about loving one another. Part of our vision or sort of our vision statement is, is to see a church who are people who love, grow and serve. So part three, and whereas Paul talked about breathing new life to open this series, part three today, me, I'm looking at grow, growing one another is the theme for today. And the, the first question I thought about is how can you tell if something is growing? How can you tell if someone is growing? Um, myself and Steph, we've just had a, a little baby, Abigail, um, and you sort of, she's now um, getting towards 14 weeks old. Yeah, so 14 weeks I've been watching this young baby grow from seven pounds one ounce through to, I'm not sure what she is now, if we put on the on the scales, I'm sure it'd be way more than that. But I think about how I measure her growth. Um, I, I don't get the scales out or the tape measure out at home, but I do hold her, and every now and then, I can. My arm starts to ache because previously I could hold her, you know, at a certain position for a certain length of time, but now it's starting to fall down. My arm is aching. I also measure it on the size of the nappies. Um, the, uh, forgive me for mentioning the word poo on the stage, but it, you know, it's quite funny with babies. You can measure their growth by just looking at their nappy after they've made a mess. It, you, can, you can tell by the consistency. In the, uh, too much information. <laughs> Wait till she gets on the side, as Paul said. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But how can you tell somebody's grown as a Christian? Can you... Should we keep an attendance register? How many times you come to church? Should we think? Well, should we have a camera in your room and check out how many times you pray and how many Bible verses? Should we be tracking your YouVersion Bible apps and seeing how much people read the Bible? Um, should we should we sort of measure people's faith? Can you measure somebody's faith? This person over here has ten out of ten faith, ninety percent. What you know, they have a good number of amount of faith. This person over here, they don't have much faith, therefore they're not really grown. They haven't grown. They've got a lot of growing room to do. We could do that with Christians, but it's very difficult and very inappropriate. What about church? How can you tell a church is growing? Do we just count the numbers of bums on seats on a Sunday? You could do that. Do we look at how many people are in a small group? Do we look at how many people got baptized? Do we look at who attends the prayer meetings and how many people attend the prayer meetings? Do we you know, look at all these other things? What sort of how are we reaching our community? Is our church growing? Are we reaching? I think if you look at the kids and the, and the young people on stage, reflects to me that this church is growing. You might not see it, but it's happening. It's certainly happening. The early church, now just not to make you feel bad, but just to inspire you. The very first church that ever existed. Um, there's, there's a scripture in, in, in Acts 1 that talks about they met in a room, in an upper room, and there's 100, 120 people there. It's a good-sized church. But if you flip forward a 21 chapters to Acts 20, 21 and sort of timescale, while it's about 25 years ahead, it talks of uh, many myriads. It talks of many multiple tens of thousands of people in the same church. So in 25 years, that church from, went from 120 people all the way up to roughly 100,000 people in a short space of time relatively. That's good church growth. Don't you think? Um, I'll take us one scripture. It's not on screen, but Acts 1, um, Acts 6 verse 1, it says, In those days, the number of disciples was multiplying. There's a key word for my, my message today. 
In fact, that's part of my title. So if, you, if you're making notes, just write multiplying somewhere near the top. Because if you think about the body, so we talk about us as the body of Christ, but if you think about the human body, I'm no expert, some scientist in the room will help me or correct me, but we, you, you know about mitosis and meiosis and how cells duplicate, and it's not just like a cell replaces another cell, and it's, they duplicate. They, they multiply. Because if, 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 we were just, if our bodies just um, applied the principle of addition, so when a cell dies, it just replaces with another cell, we'd never grow. But because a cell dies or, or is damaged and then it's replaced by two cells of identical, uh, forgive me if I'm getting all, all this wrong, but the body, it, it, it's a multiplication process, not an addition process. If it was just addition, the body wouldn't grow. I don't think it would. And, in, and, and this, this process, this biological process, is important for growth, replacing damaged cells and repairing tissue. But think about and apply that to the body of Christ. Us lot. Are we repairing damaged tissue? Over the years and over time, we as Christians, we get damaged, don't we? We get hurt, we get broken, we get worn out. Are we, as a church, multiplying? Are we Growing. Are we multiplying at a rate faster than that which we are declining? We all know our bodies are getting older every second. And fortunately, our body can work that out and kind of continue to, to ensure that we grow and we don't just fall into a heap of dust like where we came from. But is, the church, is that happening with the church? Is the church growing faster than it's declining? Does that make sense? I'm not saying that we are declining. I'm not saying the church around the, na- the world is declining. But are we growing? Are we multiplying? Are we producing and it goes back right to the very beginning in Genesis Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 God blessed Adam and Eve and we can include ourselves in that and he said be fruitful and multiply fill the earth govern it reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground so if you're making notes my title today is be fruitful and multiply. Keyword. Now, thinking about multiplication, um, you think back to school. And a lot of the kids, I know most of them aren't in the room, but some of them are, some of the youth are. At the end of a term, we just had it, you often have these awards uh, ceremonies, um, these awards uh, assemblies or presentation evenings, that kind of thing that happens in most schools around the world. Um, I have an unofficial award in my school. It was never officially documented because I think the teachers would have been shamed for, for shaming me. But my unofficial award, which was given to me by some of my f- friends, so-called friends, was, there wasn't a title, but I officially hold the record for the shortest amount of time spent in top-set maths in the whole school. So I was promoted at one point in year nine, I think, or year eight, to top set maths. I was like, yes, get in. I'm a top set maths kind of guy. After a few classes, I'm talking two, maybe three. We're talking a week. The teacher would ask me questions on the spot. I would flounder. I would struggle. I'd I'd be doing assessments and tests. I was floundering. I was struggling. A week later, after being promoted to top set, I was then relegated back to second set. And that's where I stayed for the rest of my GCEs, where I just about scraped to C. <laughs> now, I know in the room there's some people who are great mathematicians. Um, you'll like this message because there's a bit of maths in it, which is ironic considering how bad I am. And it's funny, we talk about picnic 
Um, we talk about food this afternoon. I'm going to read from the passage um, where you're probably familiar with it in the feeding of the five thousand. So if you haven't brought food today, we're going to have two, two, small, two, two fish and five loaves and we're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. But you may know um, this passage. I'm going to share some thoughts, what I've had. We're going to start at verse 5. because So Jesus has just been preaching in a remote area. People are hungry, as you'd expect. Verse 5 in John 6. Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip. (laughs) Abigail really likes it when I go. Anyway. It's all about babies. Where can we buy food or bread to feed all of these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. So think Philip, think Andrew. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? And we'll skip a bit. You may know the story. Jesus using the disciples as help. They feed the 5,000 people plus women and children in a most remarkable, miraculous event. And then it says in verse 12, just fast forwarding, it says this. After everyone was full, and hopefully that will be the same this afternoon, Jesus told his disciples Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Thinking about maths, this just didn't add up. This story was not, it would not have been a question on the GCSE maths paper. It just did not work. It just was illogical, impossible. It was multiplication in action. In fact, there wasn't enough food. Addition You know, you counted it all up, five plus two. It's the the addition didn't work. It needed some multiplication in this example. Um, And so I'm going to do a bit of maths on screen. There's a bit of a context to this. This is a thought that I had around about eight years ago. Um, So I've been carrying this thought for eight years. I'm now going to release it, if that's okay. (laughs) I haven't really. Um, But it's just something that illustrates in my head. Um, Maybe not in yours, so if it doesn't click your switch, don't worry about it. But it just helps me think about faith. Because we're thinking about growing people. We're thinking about growing one another. And if we're thinking about faith, because it is a primary sort of thing that we as Christians have, um, or don't have. If we want to see that grow, what does it look like? How does that even work? And, you know, we talk about, Jesus talked about, have faith the size of a mustard seed. Well, that's, that's... small or the disciples said Jesus please increase our faith so that must mean that faith can get bigger at one point Jesus says ye of little faith so that means some people have little faith some people have a lot of faith so how can we see that visually let's try this on screen if Toby and Baz can help me out can we put the first mathematical sum on the screen it's tough it's tough oh I'm in the wrong place here aren't I okay nice and easy for you one plus one is two yeah here's a test for you Don't put it on, Toby, yet. What is one times one? One. Should we just see they're correct? Yes. You are correct. Now, interesting. You might be thinking, of course it is. But the point I'm going to make in a moment is the multiplication sum, or the multiplication equation, or whatever you want to call that, equates to less than the addition. 
And I'll explain what I mean in that in by a second by showing you the next one, which is 2 plus 2 equals 4. Interestingly enough, though, what's 2 times 2? 4. So we now have an equal number multiplication addition. Before we had, some of you are probably thinking, where is he going with this? Next one, just to see where we're going with this. 3 plus 3 is 3 times 3 is 9. So suddenly multiplication has more value than addition. So at this level of faith, considering this is a three-tier, you know, faith isn't this simple. It's not this straightforward. It's much more complex. But to help you on a Sunday morning where it's hot and raining, this level of faith, multiplication has more value. We, a little bit like in this story, addition was not going to work. Addition wasn't going to work. If you're going to believe in something big in your life, it needs multiplication. You need God to intercede and multiply what you have in your hand. Imagine that it's a little bit like this to help you understand this illustration. Imagine the addition sum is the resource that you have. So you've got five loaves and two fish. Or you've got, you know, the, the kids team had 28 volunteers over the week. Or it could be we've, you know, we've got, 300 chairs laid out for you here. Here's the resources that we have got at our disposal. This is the reality. It is straightforward maths addition. But imagine that the multiplication scenario is faith. That's what God wants us to believe. So at the top level of faith, and I'm going to unpack this so you can understand. One times one is less than one plus one. I completely forgot what I was going to say. I've thrown myself. I'm going to move on into the story. Because the question I'm asking you is, what level are those three are you at? Are you at a place where you, you, you are happy to believe for God to multiply? Or would you rather be in a situation where addition is, you, you just want to um, use what you've got? So here, this is what I wanted to say. I've just remembered. The addition sum is your resource. The multiplication sum is your faith. So are you in a place where your resource, you're afraid to lose your resource so you have less faith than the actual what you have? Or are you on level two where you, your faith is dependent upon how much you have? So we have 300 chairs. Therefore, I'm going to believe that this church will have 300 people. It's equal. My faith is in line with the resource that I have at my disposal. Or are we at level three where I believe Jesus wants us to be. Are we at the point where the, what we have in front of us, three plus three is six. So I have six talents. I have six items. I have six units of goodness and resource. Jesus wants you to believe for nine. He wants you to believe for multiplication over your life. We got there in the end. But the rest of this message will help you, exp- will help you understand what I'm saying. The rest of this message will help you. Because I believe the three characters, the three main characters in this in this story, demonstrate those three layers or levels of faith. So you can put yourself in one of these people's shoes. First is Philip. And it said in verse 7, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough to feed them. It's a little bit like this one plus one scenario. If we can put that up, Toby. One plus one. It's like, here's a resource, but I'm not prepared to pay the cost. I'm not prepared to take a risk and believe for more. I don't, you know, we've got 5,000 people in front of us. We've got this amount of resource. That, I'm happy with that. But I'm not prepared to take a gamble and take a risk and believe for more. I'm not prepared to believe that these people will be fed. 
Things like, if you're at this level, you have these sort of mindsets or these thoughts. It's going to cost too much. I can't afford it. So Rob just talked about the offering. You could approach the offering with, I can't afford it. I've got one plus one. I've got two pounds in my pocket. I'm not prepared to part with that. It's going to hurt too much to give that up. I can't believe for more. Therefore, I'm going to not even believe for what I've got in my hand. I'm not even going to believe for the resource that God has given me. I'm scared it's going to hurt. I can't give any more time to church. That's what I've got. One plus one is two. I can't give any more. I can't believe for any more. I can't give any more of myself. It's going to hurt. It's, I'm scared. That's what Philip was like. He's like, there's a need. We've got some resource, but I, we could never afford to feed these people. I could never carry that kind of cost, Jesus. It's a little bit like in the parable of the talents. There was a man who went away and he left um, his estate in charge of three people. One person received one talent. Another person received two talents and another received five. The person with the one talent buried it. He had the one talent. He had his resource, top line there, one plus one is two. He had his talent, but he wasn't prepared to go for more. He wasn't prepared to take a risk and believe for more like the others did. The other two multiplied. They doubled what they were given. They were most afraid of losing what they had. Oh, sorry, he was most afraid of losing what he had. God wants to use what we have to multiply. And he doesn't want us to hold on to what we've got. So it's great that we've had 60 children this week. What's the next? What are we now going to believe for as a church? What are we going to believe for? 42 decisions. Great. What are we now going to believe for as a church? That's a resource that we now have. 28 volunteers, we now have that as a resource. What are we now going to believe for? What's next? Maybe we just need to take a risk. Maybe at this level of faith, to get out of this level of faith, to get out of this mindset where we haven't got enough. It's going to cost us too much. Maybe we just need to take a risk and step out. Maybe we need to do something different with our finances. So you might hear the offering bucket go around every single week. Maybe this is the week where you will go to the connect point. You will pick up the standing order details and you will make that decision to give. Not because we need the money, but because there's great blessing in giving. I think about when I became a Christian or before that. I went to church for about a year just sitting and listening to messages. Not responding. There was always an altar call or a response. Put your hand up if you want to become a Christian. And I was like, sit on my hand. I'm not going anywhere. But I like this church thing. This Jesus guy sounds a good guy. This teaching is pretty good. I feel comfortable. I feel good in church. But I'm not going to put my hand up. I'm not going to give my life to Jesus. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Until one Sunday I did and then put it down very quickly. You think about it in in your um, sharing of your faith. We all have an amazing opportunity to share our faith to colleagues and friends and neighbours. We all have a lot of resource. But are we willing to take the gamble, to, to risk our reputation, to have that conversation with them? I can think of many opportunities where I've passed up on an opportunity to share my faith because I've not been prepared to take the risk. I've not been prepared to take a gamble on what God can do with the resource that I have. So we've got Philip. And I am, I hope I haven't, complicated you too much today I've complicated myself bamboozled myself but anyway moving on to Andrew he'll help us out in in verse 9 there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish but what good is that with this huge crowd so he he did the, the, the addition five loaves two fish I got that that's the resource we've got at our disposal but that's not enough that isn't enough 
that's not going to feed 5,000 hungry people and women and children. At least Andrew acknowledged that they had, he had, there was some resource available. Philip didn't even notice that there was a child there with his pat lunch. He didn't even contemplate the thought of there being a miracle taking place. Whereas Andrew at least brought it to the table and said, this is what we've got here. But it's not enough. Have you ever thought about that in church? We've got something, but it's just not enough. Have you ever thought about that in your faith? I've got something. I know a bit of the Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at the Psalms and, I, I, and the New Testament, but I just I haven't got enough to be a, a Bible teacher. I haven't got enough to be confident in front of my friends. I just haven't quite got enough. There's some people who love data, the OCD amongst us, and we like to make things, the balance sheet, add up. We like things to be in order, equal, in its place, in its box, nicely fitted out. But Jesus, he, he works in a different um, administration. He works differently. At this level of faith, two plus two equals four. But so does our multiplication, two times two is also for at this level our faith is equal to how much or how little we have. So I'm only going to believe for what I have. I can't believe for any more than what I have. That's what Andrew was saying. I haven't got the energy. We don't have enough volunteers. We haven't got enough money. But if you haven't got enough, you're in a brilliant position for faith. In fact, if you had everything together, if your life was in order, in nice spreadsheets, everything balanced, everything worked really well, and everything was efficient, and everything was completely productive, and everything was completely right and in its right place, there'd be no need for faith, there'd be no need for God. So if your life is a bit of a mess, if your life is a bit disorganized, if you don't think you have enough food to feed the children, if you don't think you have enough money to give into the offering, if you don't think you have enough time to serve at church, if you don't think you're relational enough to be in a small group, you're in the right place because God will use what you have and make more faith is believing for more in fact if you don't if you if you think you've got enough and you think you've got it all together and you can achieve everything that you want to achieve in life you haven't got faith if everything was and there is a danger in this culture that we live in in this first world that we live in that we have everything on a plate and it's all easy and actually sometimes there's no room for God But actually, this is where faith comes in. So if you're not believing for things that you actually haven't got in front of you, if your prayer list hasn't got some things in it that you can't do yourself, then you've not got faith. So I would encourage you as a a way of practically responding to this. Look at your prayer list. Look at your desires. Look at your wants and needs. Are there anything there that you haven't yet currently got? Is there something to believe for in your future? It could be a healing. I can't heal anyone. It could be convert an atheist in your life. Somebody who's just completely against God. I haven't got enough resource to make somebody understand God when they're completely far from God. I haven't got enough resource. But God has. As well as our belief and our faith and to look at growth and what that means. We do also need to act. So it wasn't just Jesus magically made the food appear. He, asked, he instructed the disciples to do something. That's where the word of God comes in. That's where, okay, I'm going to respond to what Rob says. It says in the word to give, to give and, and to tithe. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to respond. I'm going to act. I'm not just going to believe what I've heard. I'm actually going to act on what I have heard. Even when I haven't got enough. Even when my finance is tight, I'm still going to give. 
I'm still going to give what I can. It's not about how much, it's about the heart. So we're moving on. We're nearly there. I know it's hot and you're thinking about uh, picnics. But the, the level of faith that Jesus wants us to be at and uses this story to illustrate is this, this final one. And he says in verse 12, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Take the addition sum. Three plus three equals six. Jesus knew the number of people. He knew exactly how many people were there. He knew exactly how much resource there was at his disposal. He was completely fully aware of the resource that he had available. But he still believed that God would provide more than enough. And he did. It wasn't just like he provided just enough so that everybody was fed. There was an overflow. There was an abundance. There was more than enough. Jesus wants you to believe, not just for just enough, not just for um, what you have. So I'm, I'm going to believe um, f- in the, I'm going to believe at the same level of what I have before me, the resources that I have that God has given to me. He actually wants you to believe for more than that, more than enough. He wants you to believe for things that you cannot see. So if you can see it, then it's not faith. But if you can't see it, if you can't see the healing from the cancer, if you can't see that, you know, that money entering your bank account, if you can't see that relationship being restored because it just seems so impossible, that's faith. That's where God wants you to be. And that's where God acts. That's where he moves. So all we've got to do is Jesus did. He trusted. He didn't flounder. He didn't, he didn't panic. He knew exactly. He was completely in control of this situation. All he wants you to do is trust him, whatever the circumstance. If you think about the Old Testament, you think about King David, or before he was king, little old David, shepherd boy David, facing Goliath. He was doing his maths some. He was doing his three plus three. He was thinking, okay, I've got five stones. I've got a sling. I haven't got a warrior's qualification. I'm not a king. I haven't got any armor. I haven't got a sword. I haven't got all the things that you think. He was looking at his resource, but he knew what he had. And he also knew what he was believing for. He knew that he could, with God's help, he trusted God that he could take down this giant. And he did. He did. He knew that God would defeat Goliath for him. He was aware of his resource, top one. He knew it. He knew his failings and his faults. He knew that he couldn't wear Saul's armor. He couldn't wear some armor that didn't fit him. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a shield. He wasn't a warrior. He was a shepherd boy. He'd only brought his pat lunch to the battle line. He knew the reality, but he also knew and had faith that God would defeat Goliath for him, and he did. I think about a modern um, man, obviously that's the Old Testament, but I think about, um, some of you may know Brian Houston, a pastor of Hillsong Church, which is all over the world. And you can be sort of amazed at what they do. And they do conferences of multiple tens of thousands. They release albums every year. They, they do, you know, you name it. They've got churches in every one, you know, some of the major cities in the world, all over the world. And you could, you could think, wow, Brian Houston's made it thinking about growing one another if you think about someone who's grown he is like 10 out of 10 grade a christian he is the b's knees he's made it brian houston hillsong church you can almost idolize people like that and he would never want that but you can almost think they've got so much resource have you seen their budget 
Have you seen their kit? Have you seen how much stuff they have at their disposal? And yeah, they are very blessed. But the thing that amazes me about this season that Brian Houston is in in their church, they're using this phrase, the book title, the, the albums, the conference. There is more. And you could, be, you could almost forgive Hillsong and Brian Houston for just saying, you know what, we've made it. We've, we've reached the pinnacle of Christian church building. We have made it. But what I really like about them is not what they do, and it, what they do is great, but how they have an appetite for more. They have a desire for more. Like in the feeding of the 5,000, you could be content with your five loaves and two fish, and that would be great. You could be, you could be sat there thinking, I'm happy with that. Or you could be sat in the other camp, the other level, and you're like, actually, I don't want to lose what I've got. These, um, these five loaves and two fish are too precious to me. I'm going to hold on to them. I'm not going to tell anyone that we even have them. Or, like Brian Houston, like Hillsong Church, like Jesus in this story, you acknowledge your resource. You acknowledge, like Jesus, that he had the whole of heaven at his disposal. And he still believed that there is more and more and more there wasn't just enough of food there was more so we're thinking about growing one another growing our faith the phrase that I've got for you this morning is there is more there's more you know what this isn't it there is more the future of this church there is more I'm going to invite the band to come up And we're going to conclude. Thanks, band. But just to summarize, because you might be sat there thinking, wow, that was a whirlwind. (laughs) Sorry, sometimes I can do that. But to summarize, in order to grow, because we're growing one another, we're trying to help one another grow. In order to grow, we need to be willing to take a risk. And pay the cost. If it means nipping down to the shop and buying everyone food for the picnic later, you've got to do it. Or I've got to do it now, I've said that. So if you haven't got food, I'll go and buy you food. (laughs) Or Jesus will make it stretch. Or, you know, in order to grow, we need to have faith that is not limited by what we have. In order to grow... We need to trust in Jesus, even when we don't have enough. Just to finish, and we're going to sing a song. We're just going to kind of cement what I've said with praise in just a moment. But I just want to read a scripture, and the band are going to start, um, and we're going to get ready. But Acts 2, I've mentioned it before, about the the remarkable growth of the early church, from 120 all the way up to hundreds of thousands, and to the church that we are today. But in Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. It really does help plan out how we can help one another grow. Because I've talked a lot about growing and growing your faith, which actually can be quite a private thing. It's about how I grow, what I'm believing for, what my prayer list looks like, how I, you know, I'm not just, look, I'm looking at what I have at my disposal. And that's, that's all well and good. It's important that we all grow. But how do we grow collectively? What sort of things can we do as a church to help one another grow? Well, let's read them in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching how devoted are you 
to teaching and the Word of God, to fellowship, to your small group. If you want to grow, devote yourself to your small group, to sharing in meals like a picnic after church. Don't just rush off. Join in. Devote yourself to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place. And they shared, like me, I'm going to have to do it now. They shared everything that they had. How willing are you to give of yourself to this church? How willing are you to serve and to give your time and to give your energy and to give your finance? They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. What better place to meet the needs of our community than right here in the church? We could go, and I often do this, I often see homeless people in in the street and and I'm walking on my own and I think, what can I do on my own? How can I help that person? And sometimes I think I'm, I'm helpless. But when you combine the collective strength of the church, you start to believe. So we might not have enough resource, but I'm going to believe that we can. We can house homeless. We can clothe the naked. We can feed the hungry. We can do anything that God wants us to do as a church. They, this is what we're going to do just now. They worshipped together. If we can help one another grow, when you worship, don't just worship for yourself between you and God. And that is important. Worship to encourage those around you. When we praise, when we gather, we're here not just for ourselves. We're here to inspire and encourage and to bless and build others up. If we want to grow one another, we've got to love one another. We've got to build one another. We've got to support each other and worship together in the highs and in the lows. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So I feel like that's a word for someone today with this picnic coming up. <laughs> and then finally, and this is what we're going to do right now. And then I'm going to get back up and, res- and just, off- just do a, a, sh- a short response. Final line. Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So should we get to our feet?